0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thanks Tash. Thanks Tash. Just in case you're wondering what you're volunteering for in the superhero party, I don't need you to come and dress up as Batman or anything. All right, um, it's just to help who oh, we bring, the, oh, okay, I'm um, um, ah, excited about this morning, i excited about all the things that are going on, I came on this, I thought this was cracker here, um, am I on, no, oh, there we go, ah, well, um, the... Uh, we're on this theme we're called Unveiled Faces and uh, here we go, we're moving on now. Sorry, just before we get all serious. Anybody remember those? Huh? Anybody ever make one of those oh there you go. Anybody ever make one of those? Ah, come on. I I had a cracker one. Me and Kenny. Um that's nothing to do with the service today, I just thought um, um I, I we we <laughs> we're talking about Unveiled Faces, just saw that and loved it. Um and uh, The the fact of of how God we're in this process of changing from glory to glory, this idea that it's not just a, a flick of the switch, it just doesn't come in a moment that there's a process when Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says that we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Of course he's talking about a spiritual birth and something happens within us that's immediate and profound. But we have an old nature, so uh, the old nature keeps calling us back and we have to battle old habits and all of that. And so Dave kicked us off a few weeks ago um, around this whole theme of unveiled faces changing from glory to glory. And last week I tried to talk us a little bit about the whole origin of holiness and how God actually calls us to be holy because He's holy, and a little bit about the origin of that. And we base it all around this scripture, especially the last uh, section of it, verse 18. I love um, the start of it as well. I love 16, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I love that. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, all right, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, is this sort of ever-increasing? So, it's talking about a journey. It's talking about a journey of faith, which is really important. And so, the reason that we wanted to talk to you about unveiled faces was that very fact, because the idea that, that Satan, who is the God of this world, actually Has blinded, he has actually veiled the minds and veiled the faces of the people that don't believe. So I don't know, I'm sure you've been like me where you've talked to a family member or a a neighbor or somebody at work and you just wonder, why do they not see it? They just can't seem to see it well. It's because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who don't believe. And they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. And they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. Who is the exact likeness of God. And that's why it's so important to understand how to pray for that, all right? So, we can witness and witness and witness and do all that we can, but unless we actually go into some kind of warfare and strip that veil away and ask God um, to, to, to give us wisdom how to pray for that person, our, our loved one, our our neighbor, or whoever it is that, God, we're just asking you right now that you would strip that veil from their mind, that thing that, that Satan has put there. God, I'm asking you right now that you, by your divine power, would strip that from their minds and from their eyes, that the light of the glorious gospel would shine in, and that they would be saved. So, that's a the whole thing. And so it's really important to understand that. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to talk to you about entering in. I want to talk to you about processing that journey because I, uh, I think it's really, really important. I know I keep saying this little phrase about, um, this is one of my favorite verses, but it really is one of my favorite verses. Certainly in the top 10, I have a picture in my room with this on the face of a lion, with this on it, the wicked flee, the no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I tell the story that many years ago um, we went on one of those um, named on arrival holidays. Anybody ever do one of those where you, you book a holiday and it's named on arrival and it's hit or miss, isn't it? And Usually you can hit it okay, but we missed it. It was woeful. And um, the, the the hotel was sort of built on the side of a mountain. You would nearly need to pick and ropes to get for your breakfast in the morning. And there was cockroaches in the room and oh, it was awful. And so we, we, we just decided we'd enjoy the sunshine and endure the hotel. And, um, and so uh, we, we hired a car for a couple of days. I think it was about the last two or three days of the week. And we were out driving around this little island, and we came in this really, really beautiful hotel, really lovely four-star hotel. It was quite, a, quite upmarket, you know, the guy at the door with the top hat and all, and all of this stuff. And so I said, well, what about just getting a wee sneak in? Oh, we wouldn't be allowed to go in. I said, well, come on, we'll try. So the, what we found out, there was an underground garage, and we drove into the underground garage, and there was a lift that went right up into the foyer. And we got a lift, and we come out into this gorgeous foyer. And, and it was sort of those ones, you know, you were sort of creeping about like this here, you know. They're going to throw us out. You know, we don't belong here. We don't belong. And, and we sort of snaked about a little bit, and then eventually sort of snaked into the left back down and out their our car and gone. I thought I would be the romantic, and I thought I would get us out of the, the sleazy joint for a night. And so the last night of the holiday, I decided that I would I would ring and book a night in this hotel. So the, the day before the end, we packed all our bags. We sort of went on the mystery tour. Um, they would taken my credit card. I paid for a night in this really nice hotel. We abandoned the old, and we went to this. And whenever we got there, this time, this time, we didn't actually have to go into the underground garage and, and sneak up on the left and sort of work. This time we actually parked at the door. And the guy with a nice uniform and the hat came out and I gave him the keys of my little rent car and he, he, he took my bags. He took my bags and we walked in there with the right to be there because we had paid the price to be there. You see, before we had no right to be there, now we had a right to be there. And this is what... Paul is, this is what Solomon is thinking, and Paul, right through the New Testament, when he talks about boldness, and when the writer of Hebrews talks about boldness, all of this is about right, all of this is about coming in with a divine right to be there. So the writer to the Hebrews puts it like this. He says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain this mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. That's the NLT. The message puts it like this. The message says, let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. (laughs) Let's walk right up to him and get what's so ready to give. Are the Um, the ESV puts it like this. I put it on the board so it would stick in your mind. Um, Come with confidence. Come to him with confidence. Hope you all can see that. All right, I want that to stay in your head. Come to him with confidence. When was the last time you or I entered the presence of God with confidence, with a divine right? That's what come boldly means. With that divine right to be there. Really, really important that we understand this. I read a story lately about um, they developed this new aircraft and um, the journey of the process was like years of development and architecture and design in this high specialized aircraft that could break the sound barrier. And then they, they went into making and they, they give the contract out to some big aircraft war, uh, firm. They've, and they took like over a year to, to make this incredible aircraft, and so years in design, years in making, and then eventually it's, it's processed, and they get the test pilot. Of course, you've got to test it out, and the test pilot takes this piece of machinery that costs millions of pounds, um, and he runs it along the runway, and up he goes, and the thing flies, and it's beautiful. He's up 10 minutes, and it runs out of fuel. Somebody forgot. In the process, you know, one of them ones, everybody thought somebody else would do it. And in the process, this thing that took years and, and, and millions of pounds to crash and burn. And I read the story, and I, 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 I love stories. That, not that I love planes crashing, but I, I like history, and I like uh, things that are about making and designing and stuff like that. And so I read the story, and I thought, wow, that, that is so like, that's so like the believer, isn't it? We're so like that. We, we put all the emphasis into so many things and forget the basic function of fuel. <laughs> the basic function to make everything work, to make all the design come together, is fuel. And, and is it any wonder sometimes that Christians just crash and burn? And the question is how do we live this Christian life without, Chris, without crashing and burning? How do we maintain this? This sort of dynamic spiritual vitality, and how do we soar in the spirit realm? And we're going to talk a little bit about that this week. I I, I had the great privilege this week of being in Mullingar down in the Midlands for three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was there with uh, an organization called Christ in Youth, an American organization, but a good friend of ours here, Jasper Rutherford now is the Irish representative. And he pulled Irish youth leaders and pastors from around Ireland, literally from Port Rush to Cork, from Galway to Dublin. And so there was about 50, 55 um, youth leaders and pastors there and, and for a, a retreat. And my job was to do six sessions through Galatians, through the six chapters of Galatians. And God really began to speak to me some things as I prepared and as I was with these people um, this week. And so I want to take you into Galatians 3, And I want to talk to you about five questions that Paul asked the church at Galatia that I think are very prominent for us today, because if we're going to go on this journey of unveiling our faces, it's a process of glory to glory. And what I I begin to realize as I read Paul's writings, especially, he writes 13 of the books of the New Testament, and um, what I find is, and even the writer to the Hebrews as well, whoever that was... um, is writing, it's always about going back to old behavior. I'm, I'm reading in Jeremiah at the minute in my, in my own personal reading, and Jeremiah is all this prophet who's, 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 who's bringing judgment because they just keep going back. They keep going back. It looks like lots of believers, Old and New Testament, are on a bungee run. Do you ever see a bungee run? You know, you, you put the thing on and the, the elastic cords, and you have to run and see how far you can get up, and then eventually those strings catch up on you, and boom, you're back to where you started. And some people live their Christian life like that, a sort of a bungee-run life. And they, they seem to run so far, and then it seems to go back. And then they're they up and they run again, and it seems to go back. And it's not meant to be like that. The Christian life is not meant to be like that. There's meant to be freedom and vitality, in it. And so, and, and, and this process of unveiling the faith. So, I want to challenge you with five questions out of Galatians 3. If you want to look them up, you can mark them in your Bible there in, every, in the first five verses of Galatians 3. And, and he basically starts off this is the first question. He, he goes, Who did this to you? Actually, if you're authorized or ASV, it's saying, Who has bewitched you? What's Paul saying? He's saying, How did this happen? How did you get to here? How, did, how in this journey did this happen? How did he send to, the, to the, the Galatian believers, I showed you that Christ died for your sins. He's the one that paid the penalty. But now you're believing like you're under a spell. You, it's like somebody has brainwashed you. Somebody has, has wiped your, your brain out, erased your brain, given you that evil eye, one of the, one of the versions say. And he's, you just went back to, to this maintaining, trying to maintain what you got a completely different way. And he goes on to the second question, and he says, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, or did you get it with hearing and faith? And of course, the answer is, is the second. We, we got it by faith. It's obvious, by believing the gospel, not trying to keep the law. And the moment we put our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live in each, every one of us. That's how we started. With a simple faith uh, in love with Jesus. And and Paul saying, how, how, is it that, how is it that you've lost your confidence in how to come? How is it that we you 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 knew the grace that saved you, but you're not actually understanding the grace that keeps you? There's no confidence when you're coming into the presence of God. And so he's challenging them about this. We went to the butterfly farm. Um uh, uh, a couple of Saturdays ago and we got into the butterfly house if you've ever been in Seaford and the butterflies are beautiful and they're all flying about and of course Daniel was quite intrigued by this and he immediately started to try and catch a butterfly and he was running trying to never going to catch one of those things they're just off the went and he's trying to catch them I'm standing watching them and they start to land in my head now maybe they thought it was a smooth landing or maybe they thought my head looked like a bit of a potato I don't know but these butterflies, and he's trying to catch them, he can't catch them, and they're landing in my head, and he's laughing, and "Dad, oh, they're on your head. And um, made me think about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's not seized, you see, he's received. He's not seized, he's received. And many of us are, are running about trying to figure this thing called life out, and we're trying to do the works, and we're trying to keep the, keep the rules, and and we forget that When it came to downright trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we just had to do this. God, I repent. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer you, and I have nothing to give you. Only my repentance and my love. And boom, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He flooded our hearts with Himself. And Paul said to the church at Galatia, Did you forget? That's what happened. Did you forget? That's how you got this. Do you think that maybe to live the Christian life might be the same? Instead of actually running in to God every day with our big shopping list and we go boom, 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 boom. God, would you bless them? Bless us, bless us, bless us, blah, 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 and then we sort of hang the receiver up. And God, it's a, I get this imagery that sometimes God about to go say, "Okay, let me talk to you about that." Oh, he's gone. So we've just rattled off our list. And then we run out into the busy world. Instead of sometimes, I I do this little thing that might help you, Dave's in practices tonight, I'm talking about meditation and the Word. And so the practice series has been really good and so I'm encouraging you to come to that. David's on meditation of the word and he'd be talking about stuff like this that, that are really I'd not stealing his notes by the way, but I know that this is sort of what he'll be doing, teaching you these practices which are really important. I do a little thing called Daily Office. I found it out of a, a book called um Ah, the book just left me. But I'll remember it in a minute. Um Healthy Emotionally Spirituality, Healthy Emotional Spirituality, great book, and and he talked about daily office, and I'm one of those people, I'm an active person, so to lie two hours and do nothing, actually, you know, some people talk about going away and taking two or three days up with the monks, and just day, three, two or three days of solitude, I couldn't think of anything worse, all right, and if it's for you, great, but I just, it's not for me, all right, um, and uh Give me a mountain or a bicycle or something like that. I do that, but not, not that. And, uh, and so, so I, I think the, the, the thing, what I found in this book was the thing about daily office. And what he talked about was three or four little sections through the day. And I can do that. And, and one of those sections every day for me is a section where it's just, God, I don't really know what to say to you. <laughs> but I'm here and I'm yours. And I love you. And I feel a bit like the Apostle Peter when you asked him the third time, did he love you? And he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know my heart, and you know that I love you. That's my little practice. And sometimes we forget those things. Sometimes we forget just the benefit of those. And so Paul's writing to this, these churches in Galatia, and he's saying, you begin your life with the Spirit, how, how did you forget to continue the life of the Spirit? Keep going like you started. Keep trusting Christ with your life. Find full and complete maturity through dependence on Christ, not by a list of rules. And then he goes into the third questions, and he, he says this, are you so foolish? He says, are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, you're now you're not attaining with human effort, you're you're going backwards, he said, man, dear, you're going back instead of going forward. I remember finding this out years ago that the Christian life is not, we tend to think it's about keeping rules, but it's not about keeping the rules, it's about the direction you're going, because you can't keep all the rules. All of us have come short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned comes short of the glory of God. But it's about the direction you're going. And so every night I, I, I tell you this little practice, every night in my mind, I just think, where am I? Am I a little step closer to God today, or am I a step away? If you're a step away, you see your backs to Him. And that's what Paul was writing to these churches at Galatia. They had now had their back turned to him. They're back to him. They were walking away from him. They weren't walking towards him. Remember, on veiled faces is a journey. It's a process from glory to glory. And so he said to them, this is the way you need to continue. You need to understand the primary function of grace was not salvation. The primary function of grace is not your passport to heaven. The primary function of grace is not Christ's riches at uh, God's riches at Christ's expense, the little gone that we learned in Sunday school, they're all right. They're all right. But the primary focus of grace is to empower your life. It empowered us to become a child of God, and it empowers us to live as a child of God. That's the primary function. And if we think it's all about salvation, and it's all about the riches of God at Christ's expense, then we forgot to put the fuel in the plane. And we'll end up just crashing and burning because we try to work to make all these things work. And we're, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're trying to make sure we're living the right life. I got a text this morning in the early hours of this morning from somebody who said, just feel like I've let God down. <clears throat> many times I, I feel like that. And many times you feel like that because we're... And this person is not letting God down. I know her so well, and I know the circumstances she's in. She's not letting God down. She just finds it hard to keep the rules, as all of us do. But it's about direction. You get it? About direction. So, it's really important we understand that And if we want to find complete maturity as followers of Christ, we must trust Christ for everything. I I love Gordon MacDonald's stuff, and Gordon um, MacDonald, in in one of his sermons called Promise Keepers, he told the story of, an he was a a track runner, a relay runner, when he was at school, and apparently really, really good. And um, he said that his coach invited him for a meal one night, and after the meal was over, he took out a little black book, and when he opened the black book, Gordon's name was at the front of the book. And this coach had had um, he he showed Gordon uh, something he'd wrote in his book, and it was for the 11th of June 1957. And when Gordon read it, he realised it was three and a half years in the future. <laughs> and um, and the the coach had written speeds that that he was expecting Gordon to do in three and a half years' time. And Gordon said, that is light years away from where I am. I could never run that speed. I could never do it. But then the coach did an interesting thing. He actually turned back. And he said, we're well, we going to show you this. We're to show you the road three years ago. And he wrote, turned his little book back. And he looked at the speeds that he was running three and a half years previous. And he began to realize, wow, I never dreamt I could do this. If you'd, have, if you'd have said that to me back there, I would never have thought I was able to do this. And so maybe, just maybe I could do this. And so the thing about this is this coach was, was, was training. Just the same way God does for us because He understands our growth and development. He knows us better than we know ourselves. This is a great verse here in Romans 8, 29. It says, for, the God, for those God foreknew, He also predestined. All right, now that means that just simply means he foreknew. So there's a great subject in the Bible called election, which we haven't time to go into today, but it's there, it's in the Bible, and it's worth talking about. If you want to come and ask me afterwards, I'll tell you the right way of it. But um, um, but the Bible says you didn't choose him, but he chose you, and it's beautiful to know that. So the ones that he foreknew, you that he foreknew, he predestined. He he worked out a plan. This is. Ephesians 2.10 says this, that he he worked out the very works that you should be doing in advance for you. Ephesians 2.10. That's beautiful. And he's saying, so he, he foreknew you, he predestined you, that in this process, you would actually be conformed, that you would become just like Jesus. Now, you might say right now, I'm a million miles from Jesus. I'm a million miles from what Jesus would be, and I could never see myself doing that. God can see it. God can see it. It's in His little book. It's in His little book. He's Record it recorded for you. And here's the most beautiful thing about this: not only, not only does he, not only does he believe this about us in Philippians. Again, Paul is the writer. He says, being confident. that the, the person who began this and you God himself will carry it out to completion. And one day, one day, Jesus is going to bring you to his father as his bride, and he's going to say, Dad, here's Ian. <laughs> Beautiful, isn't it? Here's Joanne. <laughs> and he's going to present us to his father in glory, fully conformed to his image. Unveiled faces. Some of you are looking at me with really blank stars. This is the process we're in. It's, and it, it gets gooder and gooder. It does. It's, it's, it's amazing. And this idea that God is moving in us. So, so you need to trust your coach, all right? You need to, he's got some tough workouts planned for you. Um, there's going to be some tough days. There's going to be some days when it will hurt, but you can trust your coach. There's, some, there's going to be some days when you not understand what he's doing, but you can trust your coach. There's going to be some days when your faith might dwindle a little bit, but you can trust your coach because he is, he, is, he is working to make you like himself. Trust the Lord to complete his work. is a beautiful thing. And live right now. With a confidence before the Father. It is so beautiful. Question four. um, He says, Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. You see, when we live the life of faith, Sometimes we suffer for it. Sometimes we suffer from some of our friends who maybe don't understand our new ways and what's going on in our lives. Sometimes people get jealous and they try to pull us back to our old way of life and into our old habits. And what happened to these Galatian believers, they, they, they came to faith in Christ and the, the Jewish religious leaders didn't like it at all. And as a matter of fact, what happened was they were jealous that they could act, these boys could actually draw bigger crowds than them. And actually, when you read... Um, um, Acts 14, you'll find they took Paul out at Lystra, which is in Galatia, and stoned him for it and left him as dead. Um, Paul writes this actually in 14.22. He says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And Paul's saying this in his question. He said, have you suffered for nothing? All of the stuff you've been through up to now, you're going to let it rack your faith? just because this didn't happen, just because a bad medical report come your way, just because you didn't get that job, just because someone died and, you're, and it's close to you that you couldn't understand. He's saying, have you suffered for nothing? Are you just going to let that all be in vain and slip back into your old mindset just because you haven't got all the answers? In other words, he's saying, don't give up the fight. Don't give up the fight. Come with confidence. Actually, trust Him when you don't understand Him. Keep trusting because He is this all panned out. I wish somebody would have taught me about the gap theory. Now, not Genesis 1-1, Genesis 1-2 theory. The gap theory. I stood, you know this story, I stood as a a boy of 11 at a bridge between two hills. I I heard day after day, month after month, the call of God. And then, that was in 1971. I planted a manual in 1996. I stepped out into, I suppose, what you might call full-time ministry, but I believe we're all in full-time ministry, but you know what I mean. I stepped out in faith, the tail end of 2001, beginning of 2002, 31 years, do the mass, 31 years. I wish somebody would have told me that there was going to be a gap between the call and the fulfillment of the call. I wish somebody would have told, because it's in that gap that people lose heart. It's in that gap that people backslide. And some of you are sitting here and you've received a call. You've received a promise, hasn't come to bear yet. And many, many maybe have just given up. And Paul is saying, guys, have you suffered for nothing? Is it all in vain? Are you just gonna? Are you just gonna let just because it didn't come the way you thought it would come? If it just didn't come in the timing that you thought it would come. Are you just gonna let it? Are you just gonna let it slip? He said, "Come on, come on! You know better than that. Come with confidence. Come to a God who is not giving you all the answers right now for a reason, but who knows fully what you're going through. And if you don't." understand suffering in the Bible, you need to go home and read 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. There are two profound passages in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 11 and 12, where Paul actually proves his apostleship by sufferings and hardship. The very, the very One of the things, he proves it in two ways. One is perseverance in signs and wonders, and the other is perseverance in suffering. Well, I bet you haven't heard too many sermons in that. Perseverance and suffering. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, and he says this. He says, uh, um, I have worked much harder, 21 to 28, 2 Corinthians 11. He said, Been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the, Jew, the from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, Acts 14. Um, Three times I was shipwrecked. Um, I spent the night and day in the open sea. That means he wasn't in a boat, by the way. He was in the open sea, all right? I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, and danger from my fellow country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I've faced the daily pressure of being concerned about all of you. <laughs> and he said, and all of that, in all of that, I persevered with the confidence that God knew it all. you suffering today? Well, come with confidence into the presence of God. Perseverance is a, is a very powerful thing. I read, a, you just got to hold on. This is what Paul's saying. You got to hold on. I read a, a funny story about a guy called Alec Holden way back many years ago, and he led a bet when he was 90 that he would live to 100. And an American firm quite foolishly took it up, and they, they took it up on a 250 to 1, all right? And, uh, and let, me, let me read this out of the Associated Press, sort of a magazine. And um, it says, uh, um, a betting company had placed Holton's odds at 251. So on the 24th of April 2007, his 100th birthday, he collected his rightful earnings totaling $50,000. Holton, who worked as both a teacher and a carpenter throughout his life, credited porridge as his number one source of survival. He also confessed that in the days leading up to the big payoff, he was very careful and frequently reminded himself to keep breathing. (laughs) So my, my, my word to you this morning is just remember yourself to keep breathing keep breathing, keep holding on, keep holding on, because good things come to people who wait. And then he does this even through pain, even through pain. And then this fifth and last question, he says, it's the exact same almost word for word as the second question, but it's for a reason. He says, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Obvious It's because God gives the Spirit, because we believe, not because we obey the law. It is through faith, and we trust in Him. God is not stingy with the Spirit. He gives in liberal amounts. I love this. It's like the word parakletos is the word to draw alongside. It's that rescue vessel that comes alongside. It's where we get our, my little phrase that I use is dependent discipline. So my disciplines are dependent upon one who draws alongside and helps me to keep them. I love that. That's what keeps me disciplined. My parakletos, my rescuer. And so the Greek word, whenever you, whenever you read about God giving his spirit, the Greek word, I looked this up this week, actually means to give generously and with great extravagance. And the connotation in the Greek is that somebody who would, would hire a complete choir and orchestra for uh, like a, a special anniversary where a little band would do, you would actually go the extra mile and you would, you would, you would get a full symphony orchestra. That's, that's, that's what he's meaning. And, um, and he's saying, I'll give with extravagant abundance. This beautiful lady was born in 1880 and she died in 1968. Her name's Helen Keller. She's one of my favorite authors and... Um, and I love her quotes. Um, I have a book of her quotes, and she was one of the most ingenious, incredible people that ever lived. She said this. She said that life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, but when you understand that Helen Keller was born both deaf and blind, it gives that statement a little bit more relevance, doesn't it? Life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all. She said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. And one of my favorite quotes um, of hers is this one, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. Can I tell you the story of the, of the last quote? Um, when Helen was six years of age, her doctor was a guy called... Um, her doctor was a guy called Dr. Alexander Graham Bell. And when she was six years old, the parents of Helen Keller sent for a teacher to the the Perkins Institution for the Blind in Boston. And they they got a 19-year-old orphan girl called Ann Sullivan. And Ann became the paracletos for Helen. She became the one who would draw alongside Anne's an interesting, you never hear much about her, but she was an interesting person. And it was the beginning of a close and lifelong friendship between them. And by means of manual alphabet, what Anne done was she, she spelled into Helen's hand words like doll or puppy. And two years later, Helen was reading and writing Braille fluently. Um, at 10 Helen learned different sounds by placing her fingers on, on, on Anne's larynx on her throat, on her, in her larynx, is that what you call it? And, 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 uh, and feeling the vibration. And she learned words by feeling the vibration of the throat. And, uh, and she went to Radcliffe College. Helen actually went to college, this deaf and blind girl, where Anne sat with her and spelled into her hands the lectures. Incredible story. After graduating from Radcliffe College with honors, Helen decided to devote her life to helping the blind and the deaf and loads of other people like me, uh, and as part of that endeavor, she wrote many books and articles, traveled all over the world making speeches, and Helen, of course, um, had with her Anne, who would travel everywhere with her and would translate the speeches that Helen would, would write in Braille. Their companionship lasted 50 years and ended in 1936 when Anne died. And uh, I'm always struck about what Helen wrote about Anne. is what she wrote. She said, My teacher is so near to me that I scarcely think of myself apart from her. She said, After she died, I feel that her being is inseparable from my own and that the footsteps of my life are in hers. All the best of me belongs to her. There's not a talent nor an inspiration or a joy in me that has not been awakened by her loving touch. Beautiful, isn't it? Helen Keller, the story of my life. That's how God supplies the Holy Spirit to those who believe. That's how He unveils our our eyes. That's how our faces become unveiled to His truth. He doesn't supply His Spirit for just a lesson or two. He doesn't throw him alongside till we pick it up, and then off he goes and leaves us. He comes as our lifelong companion. And spiritually speaking, like Helen Keller, we were deaf and blind, but God's Spirit came alongside us, and now we we are able to excel in his life. And so, Marty, would you come and finish us with a song? Um, But here's, here's, here's my thought. It was by grace you began. We all know this. We know this verse here, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Like he, he couldn't say it plain enough. So you began your life by grace, not working for it, just accepting so, surely, surely somehow we're going to have to learn how to continue your life with a, with a Spirit by faith, understanding that that grace that saved us is the grace that keeps us. And you know what? It's the grace that's going to complete us. And one day you, like I, are going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Father, and uh, we're going to give an account of our lives And we're going to realize that it's only by grace we can enter. And I've asked Marty to do this old song that I've loved for for so many years. Only by grace can we enter. And only by grace can we stand. It's not by our human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. Into His presence He calls us. He calls us to come. goes on to say... Lord, if you marked our transgressions, who could stand? Who could stand? But Paul writing to the church at Galatia is saying, guys, how come, how come you've got so far and now you've went the way back? Let me go to this last verse, Sorry, that I want to show you. This one here. We're going to sing this song. We're going to stand and sing it as a response song. And what I'd love to do, I'd love... I love Peterson's um, version of this in Matthew 11. Are you tired? Because if you're trying to work out your own salvation, you just, it's just, you just get tired. You just get tired. You're a bit like Daniel trying to catch the butterfly, and you just end up out of breath. You just end up busted. But if you... Sometimes it's just resting. Some just say, God, have You know what? God, I've nothing to offer you today, only me. <laughs> God, you're bigger and you're wiser and you're better. So God, would, would you come and fill me by your grace? You might need to say, God, would you forgive me one more time? I know I, I know, I, I I didn't think I'd be here, and I know I didn't think I'd have to ask you to forgive me for this again, but here I am again. And if you're worn out and you're just burned out in religion, then he says, come, get away with me and you'll recover your life. And he said, learn the unforced, rhythms of grace. Can I add a little bit? I know it's not good to add to the scripture, but but I can I put a bit a little re in front of that? Some of you just need to relearn the onforce rhythms of grace. You just need to relearn it. I need to relearn the unforced rhythms of grace. And so what I'd love it to do, I'd love you, I've said to our prayer ministry team just to float about to the, this morning, and I'd love you to feel free to respond, to come to the front this is not a mass appeal. To, we're not going to ask you what you'd like prayer for this morning. You can do that afterwards to the prayer ministry team. But right now, it's just if you're tired, if you're feeling a, that you need a, a top-up of fuel, I'd love you to respond by by coming along the front. And I've just asked our prayer ministry team just to walk through you, put their hand and you, act as a conduit, allow the Holy Spirit just to refresh and renew the love of grace and and god in your life so let's let's stand together let's sing this and and if you feel you just like that top up this morning then i'd love you to come to the front maybe we could pull those tables out of the road a little bit and and allow you just to come and and be refreshed and then i'll i'll close in prayer only by grace can we enter thanks morning let's start moving we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.